Welcome to the only show dedicated to a new way of delivering healthcare. This new model has no name, but let's go ahead and call it direct contracting or digital first care. The new way centers on opting out of the games bigs play with their rigged dice, their crooked game board, and their purchased referees. And if you're looking for a future where everyone wins, that's the doc, the consumer, the employer, and with assured amazing outcomes and measurably lower costs that are ranging up to 60%, you're in the right place. I'm Ron Barshop, your host. I'm glad you're here. Welcome to the new healthcare economy. Value-based care. Well, it's the only way to go since fee-for-service and sense volume, not outcomes, or is it? Three points. Number one, every CMS study shows zero to negligible savings of value-based care over fee-for-service. Number two, four CMS experts were on a panel a couple of years ago, boring their audience to death, mostly PCPs, at Wharton. And then it was time for Q&A. And one of our guests, Dr. Marianne Mass, was asking them if there are any savings or improved outcomes for value-based care. Now, these are the four experts at CMS. The crickets ensued, Nothing, no answer for a couple of minutes. All that sound and fury and cost for what? A Blue Cross CEO, point number three, admitted recently that value-based care not only offers no savings over fee-for-service to them, but it was also de facto 90% effectively like fee-for-service. What is he saying? We'll get into that in a second. What I'd like to do is not really whitewash something this big with all as all noise, because I do believe value-based care is effective in some measures if the ACO or the docs go what's called full risk. Most do not. Chen Med goes full risk and maybe 5% of the others bragging about value-based care as if it's a foregone conclusion, do not go full-based risk. So it's not settled like Betamax over VHS or Coke over Pepsi. And you know what has the best chance of actually winning? Our guests today. None of the above. The big winner has to show five true winners in the game of life, the game of healthcare, to create five things. Number one, lower costs. Number two, better outcomes. Then happy docs, number three, happy patients, and happy payers, numbers four and five. And I just described direct contracting. It's maybe 25 million patients. A couple of weeks ago, I thought it was 15 million, but I started doing the math and it's much higher, especially when you include guests like today's. So it's maybe five to 15,000 providers, nobody really knows. Uh, it's maybe 25 million patients, nobody really knows because there's no association doing a head count. But let me give you some math. Today's guest has 13 million patients that are directly contracted with employers, self-insured. And then we have another guest, Premise Health, who has 11 million. So that's 24 million. And then when you start throwing in Crossover, Nextera, um, and some of the others who have been on our show, you're talking probably close to 28 million. So there are dozens I don't even know about that aren't even on my radar that are in virtual and direct primary care with offerings and two even went public last year. So there are dozens that offer employers paid care on a monthly subscription base, basis like today's guest. So is value-based care mostly fluff and glitter and stuffing? I think so. It's not real meat in producing those five winners. I think the doctors that subscribe to them do very well, but I'm not sure everybody else wins. So let's go ahead and welcome back a gent from Austin 
who opened my eyes to how important virtual primary care is and is among the largest, as I said, with 13 million patients served one year ago when we spoke. He also has one in three Fortune 1000 clients as winners. Pretty impressive. You certainly heard of Teladoc, but maybe not Medici and its CEO, Clinton Phillips, who we are glad to have back on the show. Welcome back. Thank you, Ron. It's awesome um, to be back on the show and uh, talking about what is uh, hugely passionate um, about. So um, I love the cause that you have uh, taken on and um, very keen to, uh, to dive into, uh, into these subjects. Why don't people have an association in your world? Why aren't y'all, why have not, has no one created a, an association so you can band together and share best practices like other associations do? You know, that's an excellent question. Um, I think there are, you know, um, associations nibbling around the edges and, uh, you know, there are family practice associations and uh, primary care associations, but um, I think there really um, needs to be I think it hasn't been settled yet whether individual doctors moving to, you know, DPC type of models, or it's going to be the bigger businesses, the, you know, the one medicals, the crossovers, the, the larger groups that are going to, you know, corral the doctors together. And so I think there's still uncertainty whether it's more of a macro play or more of a micro play. Well, let's talk about your number since it's been a year. You've had nothing short of a pandemic, which has driven so much into virtual care, which is your sweet spot. So you were at 13 million in March a year ago. What are we looking like in um, May of 2021? You know, we have uh, seen a big increase in the numbers of consults. We haven't really pushed for an increase in um, covered lives. So driving actual utilization of the virtual care offerings has been what's really important. Um, over the last year, I sold a second MD, which um, was acquired by Accolade. And second MD was um, where we had the majority of uh, our patients that were worked at large companies. So we had, as you mentioned earlier, you know, a third of the Fortune 100 that were using um, second MD to be able to manage uh, complexity and offer direct care for um, specialty types of care. And Medici saw tremendous growth in the movement from uh, doctors becoming very um, comfortable with virtual care. For years, we've been knocking on doctors' doors saying like, virtual care is coming, it's coming, it's coming. And they kept saying, oh, you can't do quality. Um, no, I don't think I'll ever move in that direction. And instead of the majority of doctors doing virtual care in 2024, um, all of a sudden that moved a few years sooner. And in uh, 2020, 2021, there are many doctors now who do more virtual care a day than um, they do in-person care. And so we had on the Medici platform, we had uh, over 4,000 doctors um, using Medici to deliver care to um, to their patients. And it was incredible to see doctors who went from saying, I'll never do this, saying, I have to do this today. And uh, to see them pleasantly surprised that they can actually have great relationship, they can have great engagement, they can deliver really high quality care um, was, you know, a great learning curve for us. And I love, as you mentioned, those things, cost outcomes, 
you know, happy patients, happy doctors. We're trying to live in those areas. Uh, maybe we haven't cared as much about happy payers, um, but we have really cared about, you know, seeing that this is something sustainable for our doctors and patients were a lot easier to convince um, than the doctors. We, we had a guest on oh, two weeks ago and he said that utilization is up 40%. What were your number? What was your utilization up last last year? Uh, about four hundred percent. Wow, that's amazing. And that happened, that happened in a month, and then pretty much held from from there. So that happened in March, April next year. Uh, March, April last year, we saw that type of jump, and then we saw those uh, numbers hold as uh, different providers started to move back to office. Others who said, "There's no way I'm going back to the office." Um, so obviously a massive amount of, uh, um, volume to have to, uh, adjust with. So if my, if I, as an employer, join your platform, my employees are not going to get the same doc or same provider every time they might get a mid-level in Ohio today. And then 20 minutes later, they might get a PCP in, uh, you know, in Texas. Is that correct? Well, Ron, thanks for asking. You know, the, the model that Medici now builds for employers says that we build you your own custom care team. So every time you speak to the care team, it's the same doctor, it's the same nurse, it's the same health concierge, it's the same cardiologist. So we custom build clinics, health systems, if uh, put a better way, and we do them specifically because we didn't like the rotisserie model that we had seen out in the market where Every time you speak to somebody, you get somebody different. We didn't feel like there was any way that we could ever drive real behavior change and real quality in care. So our model is for you to have a, you know, a strong relationship with your care team, uh, even if the majority of it is delivered virtually. So I'm a trucking company with a thousand employees all over Texas. I now have basically a specialty group that's been assembled on my company's behalf. And I'll get that same PCP, same cardiologist, same mental health specialist every time. Are you offering pretty much all the disciplines or are you restricting yourself to some of them? And We're restricting ourselves. Um, we used, I still use second MD to cover all subspecialties um, when needed. Um, but we've started with the more common things. So we're huge around primary care. That's really our, our heartbeat and uh, just how much and can we solve with it? How much better than we can make it? We then look at each company's data. So we look at that thousand person trucking company and we say, man, we really don't like the trend in uh, muscular spin up a little um, team to be able to address um, those issues. At a thousand employees, you know, you're, you may be sharing the psychiatrist with three or four other companies. But to you and your company, that is a, feels like a completely dedicated psychiatrist who will come and visit the office, who will come to the Christmas party, who will feel really like the ethos and the culture of the actual company. So we, we look at the big three after primary care. We look at the big three being musculoskeletal lifestyle, you know, mostly um, diabetes, um, and then uh, behavioral and uh, We've built some fantastic things in place. We've um, really have an ability to train our physicians in a way that they've never been trained before. And also the opportunity to um, have these physicians be interconnected where the primary care doctor knows the cardiologist and doesn't have to 
kick you out of the system to go to a cardiology system. So it's really a vertically integrated model that um, we're thinking shows some of the most promise as a foundation for, you know, larger health groups in America, like who knows, Medicare, VA in time to come. Are your providers moonlighting with you and others as well? Or are they exclusive? They are exclusive. Um, second MD providers, the subspecialists, they are, you know, mostly employed at top hospitals, but the primary care provider, the nurse, um, these are dedicated um, people. The psychiatrist is dedicated. Um, if you're a smaller company, you might be sharing that specialist with another company, but um, they're not moonlighting. We're not competing with the busyness that they have in their practice today. So it allows them to really think around how do I help this employer? In um, How do we go deeper? How do we solve some of their bigger problems? Let's talk about neuromuscular skeletal. That is a giant problem in America and uh, prevents a lot of people from doing their best work when they've got a sore back or carpal tunnel. Are they speaking with a Cairo? Um, I'm a big fan of, and I know you obviously are one and are a big fan too. Or are they speaking with a physical therapist? Or are they speaking with some other type, like a neuroscientist? What, what is the doc that's consulting with them on that? Yes, something I'm hugely passionate about, obviously with my background as a chiropractor, physiotherapy is um, being able to, you know, having run a clinic here in the US is the opportunity to see just how much can you help virtually. So what we have at the center of each of our team, if you're part of the behavioral team, the central person in the behavioral team is your case manager and they have got behavioral training. The same way in the musculoskeletal or neuromusculoskeletal, we have somebody who is a physical therapist, most likely, um, who has a strong physical therapy background. They have access to an orthopedic doctor as needed. They have access to second MD as needed. And most importantly, they've got access to the primary care doctor. So the, the uh, transition from the primary care doctor to the case manager, physical therapist and back has never been so smooth and so easy um, to be able to track, monitor, and help this person virtually. Virtual physical therapy is a very new field as far as, um, you know, what just what can you deliver, how much I was, um, I've had to rethink a lot of the care myself because I was such a hands-on therapist. Everything was hands-on. And um, being able to see what type of outcomes you can deliver virtually has been a fantastic learning curve and shows incredible, incredible promise, especially that your cost structure is so much lower than, um, you know, traditional orthopedic care. Well, um, you can get a lot done with a rubber band, a large band you'll buy at home and some other stretch bands. If you have a care plan for your neuromuscular skeletal that gives you exercises to do, I'm sure there's three or four or five or maybe 10 exercises, someone with a sore back or a torqued out shoulder or, you know, a messed up knee can do before um, they have to physically go see somebody. Is that right? Absolutely. When we did uh, develop the Medici uh, messaging platform, it was amazing. Uh, we have in the app, you have a little folder of your favorite exercises, favorite stretches. Um, and it'd be amazing because sometimes when a person is acute, it's a very different exercise that they need to do if they're acute. They've just hurt their back. They're fired up. They're in a lot of pain. Um, they need to get some reassurance that, you know what, this is probably going to be fine. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to lie on your back with your knees at a 90 degree angle. I want to slip an ice 
pack under your back. And every 20 minutes, I want you to get up and walk. And you're not going to feel like walking, but that's how you get better quicker. And here's the data to show that if we can keep you moving, you're going to get better quicker. And seeing how you can deliver that message in a virtual way is incredible. Next point is the person has sciatic pain. Here's a stretch, here's a mobilization that will really allow you the opportunity to um, get some relief by yourself. And often what happens with musculoskeletal is people freak out. They're like, oh my gosh, this pain is terrible. I need to go to the ER. I'm going to need back surgery. That anxiety only feeds it. So, so much of that can really be directed and prevented. And then you have the ongoing, okay, we've got you past that hurdle. Let's make sure that this never happens again. And here's a routine. Um, given on what I've watched you do by video, um, as to how we can make sure that that never happens again. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see, um, you know, I think our program is, um, is still in the early stages uh, of just how good it really can be. And uh, we're not the only people in the space trying to be able to help people get out of pain without them having to go to a hospital, get an epidural, get an unnecessary MRI for something that can be managed with some you know, smart physical therapy and virtual care. Let's talk, I wanna get back to that, but let's talk about medication adherence. Do you have any kind of a feedback loop to know if they took the meds that your docs and their previous docs prescribed? You know, we don't. Um, that's a great question, Ron. We, um, we've researched all types of smart bottles, um, you know, smart caps, um, different things to be able to see has um, the person taking their medication. For us, um, adherence from what we can tell in not taking the medication isn't as big a problem as today what we find is that uh, national data shows that 50% of people who've been diagnosed with diabetes a year later haven't been treated. So our goal is to first get you into a relationship with a primary care doctor, somebody who cares, somebody who follows up with you, somebody who's tracking you holistically and globally. And we see that if we can get you into that relationship, adherence um, takes care of itself. Second MD had over 98% adherence with what the, um, the physician, um, uh, the plan that they gave them. The, uh, the key to that was that that person really trusted that um, physician and really felt like that person had taken the time to understand their needs. So we're solving adherence via relationship. But I think there is and follow up and continual feedback loops, some remote patient monitoring. But I think there is a, a fantastic opportunity. You know, our system's a young one. Uh, we're going to be, you know, refining this for, for decades. So um, I think there are some fantastic opportunities around um, technology-based adherence. There's also wearables. And wearables are now tracking dozens of different feedback uh, data exhausts of the patient, their sleep, their stress, their uh, workouts, their movement. Um, and so there's a lot of information that can be fed into AI of ultimately that we're, are, is going to allow for even better adherence, not only to medication, but to a, a you know, weight loss plan. Absolutely. We are um, in a Skunk Works project with a company called Health Score um, that basically uh, the patient just looks at their app and it takes a video of their face and can detect um, their blood pressure, heart rate, stress, 
and we're starting to build some long-term pictures now. The person say, hey, was, where's this stress coming from? Um, it measures their BMI and it's, it's pretty revolutionary, but it is a simple, easier than wearing, even easier than wearing a watch all day is taking a 30 second scan. And we believe if we can get people to take these scans, um, we're going to have some really great feedback for them that they don't have to wait for once a year for a physical to find out if they're doing okay or not or wait for something to break, but we'll be able to give them real-time information on a daily or weekly basis. So employers, let's talk about the pay model. Are they paying you a monthly subscription rate like DPC or are they paying you a different way? Um, we've had to be a little creative because um, we're trying to move employers from the fee-for-service model is not uh, easy. Um, especially if you're bigger, this is what you've been doing for forever. So um, we have either a PEPM model. So we say, okay, based on your data, you need a team of X. So you need physical therapy, cardiology, um, um, primary care, navigation, et cetera. Put this team together for them and then say, here is the cost, which you can either pay as a PEPM or you can basically pay this in salary form. So basically you taking on a team of nine people and here's the salaries. And so it's a very transparent type of process for them to know exactly what they are getting. And then by the way, we have got unbelievable and simple pricing uh, around imaging. For example, our employers pay a flat $600 fee for any type of MRI anywhere in the state of Texas. And they've never seen that type of pricing. They see, you know, 700 on one and 4,000 on another. So um, we've been able to innovate on pricing um, in a pretty significant way to make it feel simple and transparent and save money. Okay. So some are paying a monthly per month, per member per month basis, and some of them are just absorbing the salaries. Yes. And the, the per member per month scales as we know utilization grows um, quarterly. And so uh, at each point, once a primary care doctor starts, schedule starts to fill up, we um, introduce, okay, here's the time to add your next one. But at the same time, helping them understand that the money that they're paying in fee for service is coming down at a faster clip to than what our costs are going up. Yeah, there's, there's, it's interesting. It seems like a race to the bottom. We had a guest, Brad Youngren, who's the chief medical officer of 98.6. And they're asking, I don't, I think it was like under $20 per member per month for virtual primary care. It seems, it just seemed like you can't make a living doing that, but there, it seems like there's a lot of offerings for very low amounts for VBC. Mm, you know, I think you are right. One of the reasons we never got involved in the Teladoc type model is that um, it's very quickly a commodity and all of a sudden you're competing with somebody else who's going to pay their doctors less. Do you really want to work? Do you really want to be like trying to undercut another company taking the doctor down from 23 bucks to 22 bucks? Is that care you're wanting to deliver? So in our model, our, um, our margins, uh, while not big, um, allow us to be able to pay doctors well um, and appropriately for the quality and the level of care that they, um, that they give. It always blows my mind in healthcare that a doctor who's one year out of practice and may know nothing and may you know, give a terrible experience might get the, usually gets the exact same rate 
for a 997, you know, two, whatever they're doing, as somebody who might be 30 years experienced, unbelievable expertise, unbelievable care delivery, and they get the same rate. Like in what other world or industry um, does that happen where somebody at the top of their game with huge experience is getting paid what a person who newly graduated um, might get? Or somebody's giving terrible customer service would, would get the same fee as somebody giving unbelievably good and attentive customer service. So the pricing side is um, something we, uh, we think needs just as much innovation as um, you know, the technology to be able to monitor patients and deliver quality care. That's a good point. What are your two largest competitors? I'm assuming y'all are the largest in the country in virtual primary care. Are there others of your size or are you by far the biggest? No, I think there's others a lot bigger in, you know, we're not a pure play um, virtual primary care um, player. So I think, um, you know, um, Crossover and One Medical have moved to offer virtual primary care. I don't know what percentage of their business um, that makes up, you know, if they separate their uh, on-site or near-site care from their virtual primary care. Um, the company Accolade, who just acquired Second MD, also just uh, invested in buying a, a virtual primary care. We really see ourselves as a um, as a health system. So virtual primary care is a real foundation. But um, you know, if you're only doing virtual primary care, what we've learned from the big companies, they say, listen, we we run a great clinic on site here, but when this person goes off to the hospital, like we don't know, like that's the, an abyss. And my person might come back with a $10 million claim and we might never even see that person again. So it was very important for us knowing the, the knowledge that we had from the specialty care at Second MD, we knew we had to be able to provide a very seamless bridge to go from primary to specialty and back. Um, and whether you are uh, have... Uh, you're just trying to get a prescription for a headache or you're facing cancer, we couldn't just be kicking you out of the system as soon as something complex happened. Well, I can give you some market intelligence. We had both Scott Shreve and Jay Parkinson of, uh, of Crossover on our show in the past year, and they have about a million patients in their virtual primary care stable. So I think you're substantially larger. Uh, I've been wanting to catch up with Jay. I, I know that he has just uh, recently left. Um, crossover. So voice um, seen him as a real, uh, as a real innovator. He was the innovator when, uh, when the Apple phone came out and the internet was brand new and fresh on your phone. He was the very first in New York city to offer virtual primary care. And he had a million hits in the first few months. So he was, he was the founder of your, of your world. And I love that he, um, he helped uh, at least float the idea. I used to feel like I was alone saying how much messaging could happen. Uh, for example, today in Medici system, every employee gets a single number to text. And doesn't matter what you have going on, you've got a single number that you get to text. And uh, we all know that that person's coming from that company um, with that number. And we resolve a tremendous amount over messaging. And uh, Jay was very um, early to be able to say, hey, look at the complexity and the things that we're starting to manage via messaging, because a lot of doctors were putting, you know, putting their nose up saying that's terrible um, until we pointed out that doctors are managing their own family and friends um, via text. 
So let's, I want, I want to close out the show by asking you some hard numbers. Um, you said that outcomes are measurably better and cost is measurably lower. Do you have some numbers you can put to how many ER visits less people have on your platform? How many hospital visits they have less? How many medications less? How many specialist visits and surgeries they have less? And what the costs are less? Uh, Ron, we'll have in about 90 days, we'll have some tracking is not very easy because sometimes you're just relying on the person saying, oh yeah, I would have gone to the hospital. So what we actually do now is we look at two to three years data of an employer before we start. And we say, what percentage of your people are going to hospital? What percentage of your people are engaging ERs, visits, all those pieces? So I, I wish I had a better answer for you now. What I will tell you is that we guarantee, we are comfortable enough to say that we will save you um, 11% in our first year, we'll save you 18% in the second year, and we will save you 20 to 22% in your third year. And so that's a massive, um, you know, we, we're putting our money where our mouth is and putting our fees at risk to say, if we haven't been able to demonstrate um, savings on what we're doing, you know, we're going to lose a lot of money on this. Well, but you're, you're, by your third year, you're, you're costing yourself out. In other words, you're free. You, if you take that 20% of a typical $15,000 spend, you're free. You're not costing them anything. Oh, yeah. So we say, you know, and, and we're saying that's net of our costs. So from year one, like our promise is that this, this should never cost you anything. You can deliver concierge level care um, and lower your costs. Your people can feel like they are getting care that they only dreamt of and it's costing you less. That is possible. That is very possible. And the doctors can be happier as um, you, you talk about. And, you know, obviously the patients are um, better. So we are very excited to be able to measure some of these cost outcomes. I'll tell you that it's very difficult. We've looked at other players in the space to say, like, how do you really measure impact? Because um, at Second MD, we learned that we could um, save your life and get you the right chemotherapy costs. You know, the right chemotherapy the first time around, you'd have a far better outcome with your cancer, but we couldn't really prove what it would have cost if you didn't use us. We could say, well, you, you would have gone on to that medication and that might not have worked. And that would have cost maybe this. And then you might have got really sick and gone to the ER. So some of those things um, are not as easy to measure. So now we're taking a, what does it cost your, your people, you know, your employee and employer costs together? Let's look at what your trend has been. And then let's look at how we start to lower that, that trend is the approach we've taken. So let's say I'm the trucking company with 12 oncology patients. The next year, you can just show we saved you, you know, 20% on that oncology cost from the same number of patients or per, per patient. So we have to assume that we saved you significant money, but it's also prescriptions. They're taking less prescriptions because they need less meds now that they're under a regular care of a doc and they need less ER visits because now they can call it in and most ER visits don't need to happen. They can handle a lot of it by the phone, I'm sure. Yes. ER visits, very easy to, um, to uh, measure. So I'll have, I'll, by the next time we talk, I'll have some really good numbers on ER visits, urgent care visits, um, but the real costly hospitalizations, the real cost of managing a diabetic, those are the things that we really um, are trying to dial in and understand better. Um, 
before we just throw out random numbers, because I think the industry, especially employers, are very tired of hearing, oh, this will save you money. They have taken on dozens of programs and they haven't saved money. And everybody says, oh, this will save you money, this will save you money. And they're pretty, um, they're pretty disappointed that, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk and not really the follow through. So we're, we're trying to under promise and over deliver. It's a good way to end this. Clint, I uh, always appreciate having a Texan on the show because I can understand their accent. So thank you for that. I love Texas. <laughs> and the second thing is, um, if you have a banner that you can fly overhead and give a one message to the average American, what would that message be? Is, I hope this doesn't get me killed, but your, your insurance network does not work. That's true. They know that. And then if people want to reach out to you, how will they find you? Um, if they uh, want to reach out to um, Suzanne at medici.md, um, she organizes my life and uh, can get us in contact. Great. Clint, thanks for being on the show. We'll get caught up again soon. Thank you, Ron. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. You want to shake things up? There's two things you can do for us. One, go to primarycarecures.com for show notes and links to our guests. And number two, help us spotlight what's working in primary care by listening on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribing and leave us a review. It helps our megaphone more than you know. Until next episode.